They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Say we're another show. Another show on the cusp. We're another show on the cusp. What are we on the cusp of? Some big things. Huge. Hmm. As some people would like to say. When I think of being on the cusp, it could go either way. Really? Yeah, it could go forward or it could go backwards. It sounds gross to me, so I never want to be on the cusp. (laughs) I need wet wipes. I actually don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Disgusting. It's disgusting. Welcome everybody. No one wants to be on the cusp. No. Thank you so much for joining us on TTR Titter. Or thoughts that rock, however you prefer. We are the podcast about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice, Jim. It's amazing. Apparently, listen, if you've made it this far, then you probably have an opinion. You know what? <laughs> I forgot to tell you, we do it in about 30 minutes. <laughs> Just so you know. We make it quick. Uh, like we definitely this. do. Yes. We definitely do. It doesn't matter how you're listening to us right now. Let's doesn't. say you're on Spotify. Maybe you're on Sony, Apple Podcasts. Sony Walkman. Sony Walkman back in the day. VCR. Maybe you're a cool real kid. Real. You're on the Himalaya app. Whoa. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't Listen, matter. if you like the show, and we hope that you do, mm-hmm. you've made it this far, we'd love for you to put down a review and a rating about the show. I'm telling you the truth. It makes a difference. It'll help us grow the show. It puts us in front of the people that can actually make a difference. Definitely give us your thoughts. We would dig that. Is it too much to ask just for a couple of kind words? For once. For once. Please do something to counteract Jim's stuff he says to me. Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. We love them. We love everything about them. We know you will too. Please go visit them to see how you can get involved and become an option for a child. It's cannonballkidscancer.org. Those guys rock. They do. Listen, we know how busy you are. Mm-hmm. doesn't even matter what you're doing right now while nope. you're listening to the show. Honestly, <clears throat> you could be, let's say, working at a mall merry-go-round. Hey, another quarter. Maybe you're building a treehouse for your favorite kid. Ow! Maybe you're grooming ski slopes all night in a snowcat. <laughs> Does not matter to us. We just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. All week long. Let's do this. Our guest today is Joe Sheets, who is the CEO of Sheets, which is one of the greatest convenience store brands in the country. Just an awesome culture. I've had an opportunity not only to be inside of a Sheets, but spend some time with the organization. First off, Joe, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Oh, thanks for having me today. Yeah, we're we're excited. I mean, we you know for for those of you that are interested, I mean, obviously we'll have Joe's full bio posted in the show notes. 
which lists his work as an employee benefits and pension plan consultant, and also when he was the former chairman of the board of directors for the National Association of Convenience Store. We like to say in the industry, NACS, N-A-C-S. But I think the real story is his leadership at his family-owned and operating convenience retailer company called Sheets, which I have to say is just awesome. Award-winning food service, great, fun environment. Your staff is unbelievable. Um, annual revenues over $7.4 billion, Brant. That's not million. That's B billion dollars. And, and I think currently ranked by Forbes magazine as the 59th largest private company in the U.S. So they're obviously crushing it. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to spend some time with uh, with Joe and his brother, Travis, at both a NACS conference, but also I was just thrilled and, and honored, honestly, to keynote, you know, Joe, your last conference this year and just had a blast being a part of that celebration for what I understand is just another record-breaking year. So congratulations on all this success. It's great. Thank you. You know, this is, I have to say, Joe, that, you know, in my years of touring with Big Kettle Drum, yeah, that's how we first came upon uh, Sheets, and and we were unfamiliar at first, and then we had our our first what I like to call uh, Virgin Sheets experience, <laughs> uh, and we were we we had the the screens on the on the gas pumps, and all of a sudden we could order food, and we're going what what is happening right now? Yeah. I don't even understand, and so we we decided we were going to order food, and didn't quite know what to do next, so we went inside, and the food was ready, and it was just honestly we started from. From that point forward, um, this is this was even before the days of being able to just pump in my GPS and everything. We were still using our Road McNall, our McNally giant <laughs> Atlas maps when we were touring, but um, we were we would actually drive specifically go that extra exit to get to a sheets because yep. we knew the experience uh, was what we wanted and um, we can't thank you enough for for keeping us happy and fed and uh, all those things uh, for for many many years of touring oh well i appreciate the business uh, you often find us in uh, nondescript towns off of the interstate <laughs> yes uh, as well as you know just kind of uh, small town america that was our nondescript town tour. It's funny you mentioned that. That was the name of the tour. <laughs> we played in the most nondescript towns you've ever heard of. Not that he's ever heard of. He's well, he was there. Planted a sheets there. We, yeah. we did a sheets tour. I've heard of them all. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yes. Well, you would affectionately be what they call, and they do call them this. If you're a fan of sheets, you're a sheets freak. So that, oh, that's right. That's what I'm going to call you from now on, which um, is great. Um, I could take that. So, Joe, you know, versus the traditional interview style, uh, you've probably have heard, and uh, you know, the fact that we do things a little bit differently here. We're going to jump right to the interview. So, we're going to leave the floor open to you, my friend. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock. You know, I've I've spent a lot of time thinking of the the most rocking thought. Um, you know, I've had a fairly long career uh, already, done a lot of different things uh, here at Sheets and in other places, and, and I kept coming back to uh, to one that I found um, you know, maybe a little uh, comical in some ways, but at the end of the day, it was very deep and, and, uh, and meant a lot. And that thought was, if, you're, if you feel like you're always the smartest person in the room, you're probably hanging out in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. yep. Story of our lives. T t where did this first come about for you? Well, you know, it, it, I, I've often said, um, 
I don't know that there's that many original thoughts. So I don't know if I should make this, uh, uh, give credit to my, my cousin for this, my cousin Stan, but, uh, he may have stolen it from somebody, but, um, <laughs> it goes back to, um, I believe like 1996 or so. Uh, I had, uh, left the consulting world. I had come back to sheets. Um, I had, uh, I'd been doing some work here on the, uh, uh human resources side, kind of similar work to what I did in my consulting life on pension and benefit plans and those things. And I suddenly got thrown into um, a a new job, uh, which is essentially what most people would call chief financial officer, uh, although we didn't call it that at the time, Uh, but the same basic job um, due to somebody, you know, a sudden departure Mm -hmm. uh, of, of somebody here. Uh, and so it was one of those, um, situations where I think the way Stan put it to me was that you probably were going to take this job at some point anyway. Um, it's a little sooner than anybody thought, but Hey, why not take it now? Um, you know, when I was 29 years old and we were fairly big, we weren't as big as we are now. I think we had 180 stores maybe, and maybe 800 million in revenue. Um, but you know, I'd never been the chief financial officer of, Anything. Anything. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure my house. Right. I mean, I'm not sure I was ever a CFO, but I had a finance background. I went to Wharton. It wasn't like I didn't feel I had the the technical skills, but I had never really led anything like that. And um, you know, part probably a couple months into uh, taking over this job, rather suddenly, um, you know, I had that conversation with Stan, and I said, Hey, you know. Things are going okay, but I'm just looking to see, you know, the technical part's fine, but, you know, do you have any advice? Um, And then he shared that thought with me (laughs) Uh, a little flippantly, but, you know, he said, hey, yeah, you know, the one thing you should be paying attention to is if you always feel like you're the smartest person in the room, you know, find other rooms to hang out in, Um, which, you know, confused me, I think, more than anything uh, on the front end. Um, But as time went on, um, I just think that had as I call it, tentacles. I mean, there were so many things that could mean and, and some good lessons there. And and how did it affect you? How did you sort of take that and then run with it? Well, I think at first um, it, it makes you think, um, am I cocky? <laughs> you know, is he telling me I always think I'm the smartest person in the room, right? You know, you're, you're 29, 30 years old. You have this job that's probably bigger than you and maybe more than you deserve at that point. And, you know, hotshot, big city consultant come back to, to a smaller town. And so it, it certainly serves the purpose of keeping your ego in check a little bit, which yeah. is, hey, you might not be the smartest person in the room. So, um, you know, let's get that right out front. Um, but, you know, it beyond that, it, it, it really drove me to a few things. I think the first thing, it really made me think hard about the type of people I surrounded myself with and essentially who I hired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I found, um, and I found probably later, because I was probably looking for it <laughs> after hearing uh, this this word uh, or these words of advice. Um, there's a lot of people that maybe hesitate to hire somebody who's smarter than they are yeah, uh, or somebody who could upstage them or, or look better than them. And um, and honestly, it made me think really hard every time I had to either hire somebody new from outside the company or promote somebody into my part of the organization from somewhere else and really push me to find somebody I thought was a superstar um, and probably knew more about the job I was going to put them in than I did. Um, 
because if you're, you know, especially as you're growing and you reach the kind of size we have, if it's all dependent on you to come up with all the great ideas and <laughs> dependent on you to make all the decisions, uh, dependent on any one person, yeah. uh, you've got a real problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you need people that are going to push and people who are going to take you to, to new heights and to other places. Well, and you got to be vulnerable for it too. It's not just having smarter people around you. I think we had, you know, we, we've had some previous guests that have had some similar thoughts, different perspective. Laura Gassner-Odding, who is like our, our second or third, I can't remember, guest who mm-hmm. said, you know, you got to be willing and vulnerable to be mentored by others. So not just have this this awesome group of promotable giants around you. You got to be willing to take the feedback and, and, and be willing to walk in and say, I don't know anything about this area and I need to learn from you, not just sort of manage it. And then you, Brant, you talk a lot about, um, you know, Don Yeager's really resonates with you. Yeah. Remember what was his thought was? Well, his came from, from John Wooden, John Wooden. Yeah. Who said basically, you know, you're going to surround yourself with sort of your inner circle, your, the five people you spend the most amount of time with in your life. And, you know, you have to look and ask yourself, are they headed in the direction you're headed? And if the answer is no, then you need to reallocate some time uh, that you're spending right now and, and spend it with the people that are going to help you get to where you need to be. And sometimes it's a difficult choice, especially if you've surrounded yourself with the same people for a long time. Right. But, you know, I think, yeah. I, I think it's interesting, you know, from, from my perspective, Joe, that I, I think people have a problem with this when they when they attach their value to outcomes. And and that to me is a is a huge issue that we see right now in in the corporate world of people promoting people solely based on outcomes and not on the quality of the decisions that they're making. Yeah. The the alignment with the organizational values that are going to help push those agendas of the organization forward and as, as a leader, as a CEO, especially if you, as you said, are the only person calling the shots and the only person who's sort of doing that, uh, leading that charge, um, it's not scalable in any way, shape or form uh, to get to where you want to be. But secondly, you can't attach everything to an outcome. You have to be able to have people surrounding you that are filling in gaps of what you don't provide, their unique skill set, their unique perspective, their unique um, uh, character is, is what's going to make things better. And, and that's, you have to look beyond just the results that somebody can drive. How do you how do you think or feel about that? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any question. Um, it, it's got to be. It's a combination of what they bring to the table, and in a lot of ways, a combination of how they work with others. Um, and you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, you brought up a couple of, uh, of points within a point there, I guess. But um, it is kind of interesting in today's world uh, how people are outcome-based. And I think what happens is a lot of it ends up driving short-term thinking, Yeah. Um, which is if I can really bang something out here that looks like it has this great income, then I'm going to – or outcome, I'm going to move forward. Uh, I'm going to get that promotion or I'm going to be the next person. Um, but it's very short-term thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my world, especially the private side, private company world, uh, we can't afford that, right? It's long-term thinking. We're trying to figure out how to be successful 50 years from now, not just next year. Right. Um, so it can't be over. There's got to be some outcome, obviously. Yes. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have people that never actually get anything done. Um, but, you know, you've got to have some kind of balance there. Yeah. 
you know, it's funny when you were first sharing this too, and it wasn't just because I think we live this. I can tell you that I, I have fallen into the trap of you get comfortable. You become apathetic with some of the people that you've been around because of tenure. Maybe you've just, you know, you know them personally. And so they've sort of gotten to your professional life. And I've shared this on the show. I'd say probably two years ago, I was hanging out with a lot of people that maybe I shouldn't be that probably wasn't helping me personally, professionally. And so I, I created this uh, influencer tour, you know, this list of eight to 10 heroes of mine, mentors of mine, they were rock stars in their field, whatever it was. And I just said, every two, three months, I'm gonna go hang out with one of these people. Some of them I know, some of them I don't. I just invite myself to the party, but I realized the power of the inner circle. I remember, you know, I, I think about these personal board of directors, what would it be like? And, and Brian, I'm looking at you, but going back to Don Sot, who would yeah. be the five, six people that I would surround myself with? So, you know, it makes me think in your role as as you've, you know, you're a second generation sheets, right? You've you've got still people that are that have been doing this for a while, first generation that you get a chance to hang out with. You've got now new oh, kids yeah, no, coming no on. No question. So no who question. is that board? You've got a, you know, you've got a combination of, um, you know, my predecessors. Yeah. You know, the, I'm the fourth uh, fourth CEO in the history of the company. Uh, the other three are fortunately all still around. Yeah. Um, you know, two of them are on our board of directors, and one of them is is emeritus, the actual founder. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got those people, and you've got um, uh, an uncle of mine who was our our chief marketing officer uh, uh, back in the day, retired about five or six years ago, and and he's still around. And then of course we've got um, uh, some outside board members that we've picked. You know, not just from our industry. Uh, you know, we have one from our industry, but, you know, we've chosen CEOs from other types of industries, yeah. um, all because they brought something different to the table. Um, you know, somebody runs a, a distribution company, which is something we're big into distribution, but they're also a family business that's large and have some of the same, you know, issues, challenges, opportunities of a large family business that we have mm-hmm. and um, people from various industries um, that may be related, but certainly are not convenience store just to get a diversity of, of thinking. And I think that, you know, what you said, you know, kind of reminded me of one of the other tentacles, as I called them, is that piece of advice really made me think of what I did outside these four walls. Um, it pushed me to get involved in uh, in things like NACS, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. To to spend the time and volunteer that time to to be on that board of directors and executive committee and eventually run it, so I could be around um, you know people that run other companies, whether they're convenience stores or suppliers or or whatever. And it pushed me to serve on a local college board of trustees and eventually be a chairman of a board of trustees. And there you're hanging out with a whole different group. Yeah. <laughs> You're hanging out with professors and academics and students and, and people who have a, a whole different set um, of experiences. Uh, and it pushed me to get involved with um, just local business people or business people regionally uh, outside of our industry, just so you're constantly interacting with different groups, right? Different people and yeah. hanging out with some of those people that are a lot smarter than you are. Yeah. I think it's, that's a, my next question to you is going to be how, how did you sort of develop the self-awareness to, to recognize uh, when you needed to change the room? Um, but, but I, I think you just answered that in that, I mean, you really 
took took a look outside of the industry, right, and started to be proactive of joining either community groups or association groups um, that were related or unrelated to the industry so that you could actually surround yourself with people um in a way that's uh, to me it's it's pretty smart it's not it's not challenging you um mm-hmm. in, in the office it's not within the organization even so much but it gets you started at least in making some decisions to say hey i'm going to put myself in a room where maybe i'm uncomfortable because i don't know everything that the rest of these people know here mm-hmm. but it really gets you into the practice i think of doing it so that when you can transfer it to your own organization um it's not a foreign thought to you or a practice is that is that sort of how you approach that yeah, there's there's no question, and and I think uh, especially from younger people here, I I get a lot of questions about, you know, why did you find um, the need to dedicate so much time, you know, outside of your day job, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, doing a lot of these you know largely volunteer efforts, um, joining these boards or or these groups and spending all this time traveling and. You know, and I'd always try to explain to them, uh, I can never tell you when I leave what I'm going to bring back, but I'm always going to bring something back. I mean, I, I learn something every time, uh, and it may not be exactly something we can transfer, you know, word for word to sheets, but there's a, a nugget there, right? Yeah. There's something there that, that can make us better. Um, and I find that just about every time uh, I change the the people I'm hanging out with or just find different people to hang out with for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. But you've also now taken the other side of your thought, like by you making yourself available, somebody on this other side of the thought, which is they're looking for somebody else that's smarter than them. So you're going to bring something to the table and you know, it it, it goes both ways. So, you know, that's the thing. I do know people that they just don't want to network. It's just not their thing. They don't want to go to conferences. They might read books, but certainly networking is not comfortable for a lot of people. But you know, if you see the power of not just you trying to get these nuggets, but you can become, you know, you're, you're the wisdom person for somebody else. I think you make yourself available to it. And, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I, I will say this just as we're sort of wrapping up here. You are a fantastic culture. I was thrilled to see not only the, the sizzle reel that you showed there. I mean, I know that's an internal thing, but one of the greatest brand videos that I've ever seen. And I just I hang out with your people. And if I was honestly writing my book about culture today, your brand would be front and center. I mean, it's just, it's one of those companies that, again, just like Brant saying, mine's a little bit late to the party because we're here in Central Florida. And, you know, my first time getting exposed to you guys, you know, would just, it absolutely rocked my world. So we, we can't thank you enough for spending some time with us, but we love the success that you're going through. Where, Joe, can uh, people stay connected to you? Connected to me? Well, well you to know, you. I like, mean, we'll drive them to the website for sure. But if they want to get in touch with th- you. There's no question. What's I your mean, home I, address, I, I think, Joe? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. What's my home address? Yes. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we uh, we have embraced the name, right? I mean, our, our last name is the name we use as our trade name. It's the name you're going to find on, uh, on our retail outlets and on our distribution trucks and you name it. So it's also the social media and web name. So, you know, you're looking for sheets.com. You're looking for, you know, at sheets, um, you know, you pick your social media channel We're we're on it. Um, and I think you'll find it, um, um, you know, I think informative, but you'll always find it somewhat entertaining. 
Uh, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a, of an edgy personality. Yeah. Um, we love it. Uh, and try to just walk that line without going over it, I guess is the best way to put it. We're a work hard, party hard kind of culture. And I, I appreciate the compliments on the culture because when people say to me, and I've had my kids say this to me because let's face it, most of the world wonders what CEOs do, right? They're like, what's, what's your job? Like, I don't get it. Like, what do you really do? Because you can't give me this list of things you accomplished last week. So, you know, what do you do? And one of my first answers is always, I'm the keeper of the culture. Yeah. I mean, that is ultimately my job. Now, I cannot do that alone, um, but it is my responsibility to make sure that culture rocks. Yeah. Well, it does. And we're, we're so happy. We, we've spent uh, a lot of time just sort of looking at your brand. And uh, like I said, we want to prop you up as much as we can. We'll send people there both in the show notes, but hopefully as they listen, they'll check you guys out as they're driving through the Northeast. So seriously, tell Travis, we said, hello. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. You're awesome. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. You got it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. See you later, buddy. Okay. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on.